There's been a lot of talk recently about white privilege, and many of you may have been wondering, what is white privilege? Probably not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. White privilege is when liberals have so few problems that they have the privilege of sitting around complaining about white privilege. You can see white privilege in the liberal arts departments of left-wing universities, for example. At these universities, there are college professors who don't have to know about anything but their own opinions and who can't lose their jobs because they have tenure. These people have it so easy that the only thing they can think to complain about is white privilege. That's white privilege. But you may ask, if white privilege means having it so easy that all you have to complain about is white privilege, can black people have white privilege too? Oh, absolutely! Say you're a black actor who makes a freaking fortune on TV by showing up for a few hours every week, dressing up as a poor person, and reading lines someone wrote for you about how white people have white privilege. You now have so few problems in life that you not only have the white privilege to complain about white privilege, you have even more white privilege than a white person with white privilege because you're black, so you also have the white privilege of never being accused of having white privilege. Many black people, of course, do not have white privilege. These are black people who live in cities run by liberals. Liberal welfare policies have created a culture of dependency for these black people, and liberal teachers' unions have kept them too uneducated to rise above it. Liberal sexual policies have helped create a horrific plague of illegitimacy which has mired these black people in generational poverty. And liberal attacks on police have left these black people in neighborhoods so violent that they are almost like war zones. How do liberals help these people whose lives they've helped destroy? By complaining about white privilege. Why? Because they have white privilege. So screw the black people whose lives they helped destroy. Now, to be fair, some liberals do try to help these black people whose lives they helped destroy. How? By pulling down statues to oppose white privilege. Why do liberals pull down statues instead of changing the policies that have helped destroy the lives of black people? people because their policies haven't destroyed their lives. In fact, their policies make them feel great about themselves. And what is it called when you help destroy the lives of black people but feel great about yourself while uselessly pulling down statues to oppose white privilege? You guessed it, it's called white privilege. So, in conclusion, the best way to tell if you have white privilege is if you're complaining about white privilege. Because believe me, if you didn't have white privilege, you'd really have something to complain about. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, dipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. Hooray! It's mailbag day. <laughs> hey, yeah. All right, we're going to answer all your problems, all your questions, solve all your problems. Answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life on occasion for the better. We also have Tickety Boo News, which is your weekly lesson on how to read the news to get at the good stuff. It's, uh, you know, you got to kind of pull through the, the horse manure to get to the pony. Uh, but we'll, we'll start out by giving you some advice right now about how to get a mortgage. If you've ever if you've ever done this, I don't know if you guys have you ever done this. Jay? Yeah, yeah, you, that's right. You just I, of course I I knew that. Of course, I mean, and it's it's a pain in the neck, and they, you have to sign papers. I mean, the number of papers you yeah. So so nobody knows what he's doing, and yet this is one of the biggest things in your life. So you don't want to just go to one person. You want to get 
all the prices together and compare. Same what you do, same thing you would do if you were getting on an airplane, going to a hotel. Now you know there's all these things you can go on and compare prices, get the lowest price. Lending tree is what you do, where you go, if you're going to get a mortgage. Because about 80% of, uh, of people who get a mortgage only get one offer. So, of course, you know, you're not. And, and the thing is, a tiny little change in the percentage can save you a lot of dough. The average lending tree customer can save $20,000 over the life of their own. That's the average, which means half the customers can save even more than that. It really is just a little a tick in uh, the percentage points you're paying. It just makes all that difference. Whether you're looking for a new mortgage or to refinance or home equity loan, lending tree is the only place where you get up to five real offers from America's top lenders and can compare side by side for free. It takes about three minutes and it's like shopping for flights online, only you're shopping for the best mortgage offers for you. Rates always go up or down, but regardless of what is happening with the rates, you can always get the right offer for you with LendingTree.com. Are you sure you have the best deal? Find out how much you can save today at LendingTree.com slash Clavin. And you may ask yourself, how do you spell Clavin? I don't know. Yes, I do. Wait, I remember suddenly. K-L-A-V-A-N. LendingTree.com slash Clavin. LendingTree.com slash Clavin. People are saving an average of 20000 bucks over the uh, life of the loan. LendingTree, LLC, NMLS, number 1136. Terms and conditions apply. I have to read that or two guys from the banking system come and carry me away. Uh, so, you know, one of the things about... The, the news these days is I sit around, I'm sure everybody does this, I sit around and I'm not sure what I'm seeing because everybody's got such strong opinions and the news lie, the news people lie and of course politicians lie and so sometimes you're sitting there looking at something and you, you don't know what it is. Last night I watched this rally and it looked to me like Donald Trump as Godzilla stomping on the on CNN and the rest of the news media while they ran around like the Japanese people in those old you know Japanese monster movies. It's like oh no, it's like a week and a half. They've been poking him with this Charlottesville thing very unfairly. I have to say, I, I've talked about how I didn't think he handled it like he should have handled it. But they have been totally unfair to him saying he's defending Nazis. He's not defending white supremacists. He's not that he is a white supremacist that Republicans are. You know, it's just nuts. So they're poking him and poking him and poking him. And it's like, <laughs> they just destroyed him. I think after watching it, and I'm going to show you why, but I think I think we've earned a Trump happiness montage. Do we? I got to blow it. Blow it. We're going to win so much. <laughs> We're going to win at every level. Economically, we're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. Yay! You'll say, please, please, it's too much winning. We can't take it anymore. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. We have to keep winning. We have to win more. We're going to win more. Oh, 
Lord. I I was watching this. I was laughing so hard because he just knows where they live. And the thing that he's done, you know, he's kind of like a comedian dealing with a heckler. My father was a comedian. He told me, you let a heckler hit you like two or three times before you go after him because then the audience is on your side. You know, you just rip them apart. And that's what it is. This week and a half of this nonsense about Charlottesville and the way he dealt with it. But the, the thing is, what he did, what he has done in Charlottesville is so important because he's violating the great left-wing media taboo, which is which is a taboo on saying anything that even seems racist. But, but the way they define that is that if you don't support leftist policies, you're racist. And then when they catch you on being racist, you're supposed to apologize and say, oh, my goodness, I seemed racist tacitly making it, uh, defending left-wing policies, making it impossible to say, you know, there shouldn't be welfare in these places that just turn people into dependents. There shouldn't be teachers' unions. You know, they always say the teachers' unions, oh, who's going to teach the children? Teachers' unions don't teach people. They don't teach people. They just destroy schools and they destroy lives. And all these people, and you know, like, oh, you're going to go in and tell black people, you know, about their sex lives? Well, yeah, if they're having this this illegitimacy play that is destroying, there are fellow citizens. Of course, we're going to talk to them just like we would anybody else. What Trump did in not in calling out both sides and calling out the violent left. And like I said, he didn't do it as well as I would have liked him to do it. But in calling out both sides and pointing out that there is a problem with violence, much more of a problem with violence on the left. Let's face it there. there, How many Nazis and Ku Klux Klan people are there in the the country? We probably fit them into a room in this building somewhere, which would be a good place to keep them. (laughs) Just lock the door and they'd be, but the, but the left is really a problem. So he's, He's stripping the media of their power to embarrass and turn him toxic. Everybody around him is running for their lives, you know, saying, oh, I don't want to be tight because, you know, CNN and two New York Times. And Trump is just standing there and fighting back. If the, uh, these people had a, an ounce of courage, they would stand there with him. So let, listen to him turn on the media. I mean, and this is hilarious. This is just the beginning of what he did. What happened in Charlottesville? strikes at the core of America. And tonight, this entire arena stands united in forceful condemnation of the thugs who perpetrate hatred and violence. But the very dishonest media, those people right up there with all the cameras, And I mean truly dishonest people in the media and the fake media. They make up stories. They have no sources in many cases. They say a source says there is no such thing. But they don't report the facts. Just like they don't want to report that I spoke out forcefully against hatred, bigotry, and violence, and strongly condemned the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, and the KKK. I openly called for unity, healing, and love, and they know it because they were all there. This is, first of all, just leaving the press out of it for a minute, he's got his people cheering against the KKK and the Nazis, cheering against the haters, and that, for people of goodwill, is a good thing. This is a movement. This is, these are, you know, this is a powerful, powerful man with a big, big audience who loves him, and now they know, they know he has now brought them with him over to the side of the anti-haters. So that's, that's great for everybody. That's, that's good for everybody. But at the same time, he then goes on, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. It went on forever, 
but it was uproariously funny. He goes on, he starts to read the statements that he made and he says, you know, I, I when I, I talked against hate and then the next day they said, oh, that's not enough. Call out the KKK. So I called out the KKK. And then I so the next day I talked about loving. I say we love him. And then I made this speech and he goes on and on. And it's all true. I mean, this is the other thing. It's all true. So the the news media is saying, well, he left out the fact he left out the fact that. I, he said that there were problems on all sides and on both sides, and this is the thing they've been hitting him with. But guess what? We know that because that's all they've been saying all this time. So all he was saying is, yes, I, I may have said that, but I also said these things. And, you know, th these are the things he said. And, it, and it's kind of unimpeachable stuff, you know, he, the, the way he talks and the way he made it sound. And that one line, that one line that they keep hitting him with about the fact that he said there are good people on both sides. Matt Lauer said to the vice president, you know, have you ever met a good person on the Nazi side? But he wasn't talking about that. And everybody knows it. They were, he was talking about the people who opposed tearing down statues. He was saying there were good people, uh, you know, uh, pro on both sides of that issue. And I don't know if there were any good people in Charlottesville. <laughs> they, they all seemed pretty, pretty nasty to me. But like, okay, that, so he's calling them out. So now he's taken away. And, and then he does a couple of other just brilliant things that I'll just mention. I don't want to play the whole thing because it just went, it was, it was kind of long, you know, but he, he's talking about the fact about the elites and you've been, everybody is attacking the elites. And he says, you know what? I live in the White House. You know, I went to all these good schools. I got better grades than they did. Maybe we're the elites. <laughs> and he's talking to all these people. And, it's, and what's wonderful about him is here he is, this born millionaire. This guy was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, talking to people who've never seen a silver spoon and saying, I, you know, we are all elites together and you are with me. It was, it was genius stuff. It really was. It was peak Trump. And the way you know it was peak Trump is because the media went. Nuts. I have, I mean, it was unbelievable. Unbel First of all, I should add to, I should add to that out in the streets, there are leftist protesters all week long. We've been hearing like, oh, you know, Antifa, they, it's violence. What does CNN say? It's violence in the name of peace. It's peace through violence. Peace through violence. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to get a little tag on my clothes. I said, peace through violence. Andrew Clavin, peace through violence. So, so, so he's, and the, the only people outside are the left. And they're throwing stuff at the cops, and the cops unleash on them. So they're rioting. I mean, we have we have some. Uh, oh yeah, here's cut number eight. Show number eight. This is like a video. If you can see, it's like a a black Trump supporter. Can you can you play it? Okay. So, and let me keep talking. Yeah, it's a black Trump supporter trying to get out of here, and this clown jumps on his truck, the pickup truck, and slugs him. So these guys are beating up black guys because they're not the official black guys because they're supporting Trump. These white guys, white leftists, telling black people they're not black enough not to be punched in the face by Antifa. Okay, so then then we cut to CNN, and this was the highlight of my evening. I mean, I, I, I haven't had so much fun in a long time. It was really good. But let's start with Don Lemon. Don Lemon, the stupidest man on television except for Chris Cuomo, who would be the stupidest man on television except for Don Lemon. I told... I think uh, Ben is going to be on his show. I told him that if you put them together, they'll have an average IQ of 90. <laughs> I think Don Lemon. So Don Lemon, they cut back to Don Lemon after this speech. And of course, CNN has now just been forced to cover Trump, ripping them. And here's Lemon's shocked reaction. He's unhinged. It's embarrassing. And I don't mean for us, the media, because he went after us, but for the country. This is who we elected president of the United States. 
a man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy, like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old. His speech was without thought. It was without reason. It was devoid of facts. It was devoid of wisdom. There was no gravitas. There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling on something else. He did it. I didn't do it. He certainly opened up the race wound from Charlottesville, a man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves, meaning those business people and the people in Washington now who are questioning his fitness for office and whether he is stable. Good commentary, Don. <laughs> It's like, he's unhinged. He attacked me, me, Don Lemon, whom everybody loves. How could he do that? He must be unhinged. I mean, it's, it was great. I'm sitting there. I'm popping, you know, my snacks into my, which, by the way, I should mention, I get from Nature Box because where else would you get them? Because you don't want to just eat whatever is in, in your cabinet because who knows where it came from. Nature Box sends you, has snacks. Go on, you know what? Just go on their website. Go on the naturebox.com website and you'll see the great stuff they have. It is just incredible. And they change it all the time from your input. You can put in input, tell them what you want, uh, just to read stuff off their list that I've tried. Salt and vinegar veggie chips, which I love. That coffee, that I keep talking about that coffee kettle corn because it's got everything I like. Coffee, sugar, popcorn. I mean, what else do you want? Apple and cinnamon, oatmeal. These are great snacks, but these are high quality, simple ingredients, which means no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, so you can feel good about what you're eating. You're sure to find your new snack obsession at Nature Box. They add new snacks every month and the latest food trend from the latest food trends and professional chefs and like I said, your input. It's so simple. Go to naturebox.com, choose the snacks you want. Nature Box will deliver them right to your door. There's no risk. If you ever try a snack you don't like, don't eat it. Nature Box will replace it for free. And right now you'll save it. I know it's pretty good. I mean and, and they're good and they come, you know, it comes with a list of what, you know, the calories and all the stuff so you don't just stuff stuff into your mouth. Right now you have even more, you'll save even more, NatureBox is offering Clavin fans three free snacks with your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash Clavin. And by the way, that's K-L-A-V-A-N. I love the fact that I say this like every single day and then they go on Twitter and it's K-L-A-V-E-N. It's A-N, naturebox.com slash Clavin. And you get three free snacks with your first order. That is the deal. If you go on and put in Clavin, you'll get three free snacks with your first order when you go to naturebox.com dot com slash Clavin, naturebox.com slash Clavin. It's good stuff. We got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube because, because you haven't subscribed. If you subscribe to the dailywire.com, you can watch the whole thing right on the site. Plus, you could be in the mailbag, which is coming up after the break. If you subscribe, it's only a lousy 10 bucks a month. And if you subscribe for a year, it's only a lousy 100 bucks plus Mm -mm -mm. You get the leftist tears mug. Now, listen, I don't like to enjoy the tears of other people, but I can't help it. They're just so good. And when you put them in this mug, they stay cold. They stay hot. They stay any way you like your leftist tears. They will be in this leftist tears tumbler. I keep calling it a mug, but it's a tumbler because you need a lot of leftist tears to really, really satisfy yourself. All right. We'll see you over at thedailywire.com.
Okay, so so now the, the, the CNN commentary goes on and on and on, and it's worth watching some more of it just just for laughs. I mean, Rick Wilson is a Republican. You know, they always have these kind of Republican guys who hate Trump because they think it's good. Listen to this guy. I mean, this is their commentary on this speech. And by the way, we should point out that there's there's news in the speech too. Uh, first of all, he did some hilarious stuff. You know, they told him not to go, don't go after John McCain. So he says, I'm not going after John McCain. I'm not going to mention anybody's name, but we lost the health care by one vote, one vote, one. I'm not mentioning any names, but one vote. <laughs> and then he goes, he talks about uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio because he's been talking about pardoning him. And he says, I'm not going to do anything controversial, but Sheriff Joe is going to be Okay. It's like, I just have a feeling he's going to be okay. I mean, he was having a blast. He's having a blast and it's so, such funny stuff. So they're not dealing with the news. Oh, and he actually made news about the border. He's talking about the border. Remember Mitch McConnell, he and Mitch McConnell are having this feud and this has been in the New York Times. Mitch McConnell and Trump really have, don't like each other and they're going after each other and Trump is obviously frustrated with the healthcare vote. And McConnell says, there's no way we're shutting the government down. There's no way we're not going to raise the budget level. And Trump had this to say about the border. Uh, this is cut number two. One by one, we are finding the gang members, the drug dealers, and the criminals who prey on our people. We are throwing them out of the country or we're putting them the hell fast in jail. We are cracking down on the sanctuary cities that shield criminal aliens, finally. And we are building a wall on the southern border, which is absolutely necessary. Build that wall. Now, the obstructionist Democrats would like us not to do it, but believe me, we have to close down our government. We're building that wall. Let me be very clear to Democrats in Congress who oppose a border wall and stand in the way of border security. You are putting all of America's safety at risk. You're doing that. So, so there's news. There's news at this thing. He's making news. He's saying we'll close the government. He's saying he's going to pardon Joe Arpaio. He took a swipe at, at John McCain, which is news. Here's Rick Wilson's commentary. This is uh, like a guy supposedly commenting on the news. He alternated between being a whiny six-year-old who's had his Nintendo taken away and, and between being the cranky old man who's out there condemning everyone who doesn't worship him adequately. It was an astounding moment in our history. And, and I know the 25th Amendment is a remote possibility, but if people around him don't think that this guy is absolutely bat crap crazy, they are mistaken. <laughs> it's like the, the bat calling the kettle crap there, you know? It's like, <laughs> just un, unbelievable stuff. You know, Scott Adams said this thing, and I wish I had said this because I actually thought it, but Scott Adams got there first and he said he's the Dilbert guy. Very, very good commentator, very uh, observ observant uh, guy. And he said there are going to be three 
three stages to Donald Trump, and I have noticed this too. The first stage is he's literally Hitler. Okay, now we've passed that stage, and we've gotten to he's uh, you know he's crazy and he's incompetent. You know, now it's, he can't he can't do the job. We need to remove him. He can't do the job. But that's different than he's Hitler because he's obviously not Hitler. You know, he's he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything like uh, uh, that we know of, like Obama did, abusing the IRS, corrupting the Justice Department. None of that stuff has happened. The the executive orders have mostly been against executive orders that were put in place with Obama. So he hasn't violated any of the norms of American governance. He's violated the norms of American conversation and American political discourse, but he hasn't violated any of the norms, the more much more important norms of American governance. So the Hitler phase is passed. Now we're in the incompetent phase. He's not worthy to be president and all that. And finally, Adam says, we're going to get to the phase where they just don't like his policies. And once they get there, they're done because most of America actually does, will like his policies. They will. I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, he's a middle of the road guy in, his, in most of his policies. He's got some conservative stuff, some liberal stuff. There's going to be stuff he does that's going to drive me crazy as a conservative, stuff he does that's going to drive the liberals crazy, the, uh, the liberals crazy, people crazy as liberals. But basically, basically, he's not that radical a dude, except in what he's attacking, except in attacking the, the state, except in attacking the regulations and all these things. And remember, the press, the press, this crazy press is now an organ of that state. That's who they're an organ of. They are an organ of the people who are in place without us, whether we elect them or not. And those are the people that Trump offends the most. Got to hear one more cut from that CNN thing. It was really funny. Here is, uh, let's try cut five. This is kind of an array of different people. The only possible defensible explanation for Trump's disgusting, unpresidential, narcissistic behavior would be early onset dementia. Maybe. <laughs> She's not the only one who's been saying, some people have been saying that for months. I mean, but listen, we don't know if that, but if he, he is, has he shown that he's fit for office? No. Especially in this moment? Absolutely not, Don. But to Bakari's point, this is something that, frankly, the majority of Americans who did not vote for this man, understood just how unfit he was to be the occupant of the Oval Office. Tonight, I think, was, was historic on, on a couple of levels. The first one is, yes, I do believe that after tonight, a lot of people are going to be thinking that he's not just completely unfit, that he's just not com completely ill-equipped to hold this office, but that he might be psychotically demented and ill, you know, uh, of the mind in order to take this office. <laughs> so, you know, the, the other thing, while this is going on, by the way, while this is going on, if you can see the Chiron on the CNN thing, it's protests in street after Trump's angry divisive speech, as if Trump were to blame for the fact that these clowns are rioting. They're rioting in the streets. They're beating people up. My favorite moment, of course, was uh, cut number nine, if you've got it. The uh, the video of this lefty moron who throws the tear gas back at the police. So the police just fire one right in his ghoulies. You know, <laughs> just takes it. You can see this. Can you play this? Can you play the video? You, you just saw one of the protesters go up there and actually yeah, take a can of that. Yeah. Kicking. <laughs> 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 that's what that doesn't. I got that guy that you're looking at right now. Just got hit with what I think is with a rubber bullet. Oh, it's hurt. All right, we got to get to the mailbag. I want to play one last cut before we go, though. It's Mike Shields, an ex-RNC guy, on another panel on CNN, and he comes on and, and he tells them the simple truth that if and if they could listen to him, 
they could really take Trump on. They could take Trump on because we know Trump has his flaws. He has big personality flaws and all this stuff. They could take him on, but they can't. And Shields explains why really articulately. The president spent a tremendous amount of time tonight criticizing the media. And it's right to push back on that. It's right to hold him accountable. It's right to fact check him. But immediately after that, when the conversation shifts into he's insane and he's unfit for office and he's lost his mind and we're doing psychoanalysis on television of the president, you're doing the work of you're doing his work for him. This is almost what he wants to see happen is that he criticizes the media and the media themselves are unhinged and start calling the president insane. I, I think that's a huge mistake. I also think it's a mistake not to call the protesters left wing protesters that are in uh, in, in Arizona right now fighting the police. I think that's a mistake as well. I think if you could do those things, not call the president insane and just fact check him and call the protesters out for who they are, you you gain the credibility ground that you need to push back on the president when he gives a speech like this. But you're almost doing his work for him when we start calling him insane. So, that's, that, you know, that's the first comment that I have to make about that. Yeah, well, that's not only true, but of course, I don't know if they can get their credibility about back after eight years of giving Obama a pass on every single thing. I mean, I think that's the problem. All right, let's do the mailbag. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> excellent, excellent Lindsay scream for the mailbag. Uh, from Dawson, I was asked a great question in a discussion with my moderate friend. It goes, what's the difference between health care and school? How can so many conservatives support a public option for schooling, such as high school, and hate the public option for health care? A lot of different reasons. First of all, school is almost, is virtually entirely, I think 8% of the school budget comes from the feds. School is almost entirely a local issue. You get taxed in your community property taxes. You have control over those taxes. Those ta you, know, you vote on those taxes. Those taxes go to pay for schools in your district, controlled by local school boards in your district. That's why I opposed things like Common Core, because I do not want the feds in any way, even if they're doing a good job, I do not want the feds in any way to get their fingers in there. So basically, this is something that's under complete control of the local establishment. Secondly, it's not a bottomless pit. You have to understand that healthcare is a bottomless pit. There is no answer to two and three and four tier healthcare because healthcare goes on forever. Is it healthcare to keep a 95 year old alive, uh, you know, using extraordinary measures? Well, if he can afford it and he wants it, then he can pay for it. If do you want the government to say, no, it's time for him to die? I mean, we don't want to give the government that power over life and death. You know, when a woman says, well, it's healthcare for me to get birth control and other people say, well, what, you know, I mean, you're making a choice. That's not really healthcare. That's not like a, a sickness. You're making a choice to do certain things, take responsibility for your actions and, you know, pay your own way. I mean, everybody can afford a condom. Go ahead and do it. Remember, there is nobody is ever left behind in, in healthcare in terms of emergency care. In this country, there has always been emergency care. You go to an emergency room, they have to take you in, you're hurt, they have to take you in. We're, we're talking about the levels of healthcare that are endless. They are bottomless. You know, when do you stop and when does do you want to give the government the right to decide when to stop? It's it's unfair. But it's less unfair. It's unfair that rich people can get better health care than poor people. Life is unfair. Life is unfair. If you're trying to fix the unfairness of life, you have to give the government the power to regulate every single thing. Much, much different than this, your local school. From Jesse, do you think it's racist to not be attracted to a certain race? No, I think you're attracted to you're attracted to. It's like saying it's you know it's like saying you don't like people who are short or you don't like people. You know this is a funny thing about the left is first they tell you 
you can't attack somebody, which I largely agree with, if they're attracted to people of their same sex. You can't, if they have some kind of paraphilia where they do some kooky thing sexually, you're not allowed to say anything about it. You can't attack them. Fine. That's fine with me. But you can attack them for what they don't do. You can attack them because they don't want to go out with a transgender person because he's not really a girl. He's really a guy, you know, <laughs> but you can't attack, you know, you're attracted. It's none of, it's nobody's business who you're attracted to. You know, if you were only, if you were only attracted to people of a, of a different race, that would be fine too. It's your business. This is not, you know, I don't know why people cannot leave other people alone. I like, I have never lost a minute's sleep worrying about somebody else's uh, consensual sex life. From uh, Jacob, hello, Mr. Dr. Professor Clavin. This sounds like a joke. Dr. Professor Clavin. What in our culture do you think led us to use Jesus Christ as a slang curse word? Ah, well, that, I mean, obviously that comes very natural to people since the Ten Commandments fourth commandment is do not take the name of the Lord in vain. So people do that. And it's pretty easy to see how it happens. You start it out, you start out by saying it has a prayer, you know, thanks God or please God, you know, defend me. And then it becomes basically a, a, a reflex. So instead of saying, you know, please God, you're saying, oh God, and you're saying, you know, dear God, and, and all those things. And ultimately, especially if the faith goes out of it, you're just using it. I don't know if you call it a curse word, but as an exclamation. Uh, but obviously, it's a very human thing where they wouldn't, it wouldn't be in the Ten Commandments uh, telling you not to do it. From Michael, you frequently tell us that we on the right should be loyal to principles rather than persons in support of what we are for. For example, you said that we shouldn't heckle the Macbeth in the park because it would be untrue to our beliefs in free expression. We shouldn't. Yes, that's true. Why then? Why have you then chosen without any evidence I've heard to deem the Charlottesville protesters to be Nazis? And you... You use this to exclude those people from the benefit of the constitutional rights. You tell us we must extend to other groups we find disagreeable. Well, there's so many things untrue. I called them Nazis because they were carrying flags with swastikas on them, and they called themselves Nazis. You know, I mean, obviously, they're not all Nazis. I, I did uh, link together the white supremacists and the racists and the Nazis. I hate all of them. And, you know, I mean, I, mean, I just despise, I despise their philosophies, all, every single one of them. And I'm not trying to deprive them of anything. I believe they have the right to free expression. I believe I have the right to express my disdain and contempt for them. And for the people, this is the biggest letter I've been getting over the last uh, week and a half, is people saying, you keep saying these people are in our house, but they're not in our house because they don't believe the things we believe. Here's my point. Let's, let's say these guys call themselves Let's say these guys hate, they hate Jews, they hate black people, whatever, whoever else they hate, and they call themselves the Andrew Claven Club, okay? They don't believe anything that I believe, but they're using my name. They're appropriating my name. So I have to go out of my way to say that I disagree with them and I despise their beliefs. Same thing with these guys. They're calling themselves right-wingers. They're voting for some of the same candidates we vote for. They're calling themselves Trump supporters. You know, I, I, I denounce them. I denounce them because they are doing things in the name of my philosophy that do not fit with my philosophy. Don't link up with these people. This is, it's just the wrong way. It's everything about it is wrong. It's wrong philosophically. It's wrong politically. It's wrong morally. It's against God. It, you know, it, it is against the image of God. Every single person on earth is made in the image of God. And if you don't like it, take it up with God and see what he has to say about it. Just don't stand too close to me while you're doing it. Uh, from Andrew, Supreme Great name. What a good name. Supreme Leader Clavin the Wise. At what point is it acceptable for fighting, physical fighting to occur? Well, I'm a great believer in that grown-ups shouldn't hit each other. I am a great believer that grown-ups shouldn't hit each other. And I actually, I mean, I, I think 
I can think of times when I would have hit children, but I didn't even hit my children. Oh boy, did they deserve it! I got I mean, you you know my kid. Oh yeah. man, yeah, no, really. But but I you know I, I think there's so much can be accomplished without doing that. So I I would only really want to do violence in self defense. I think that that is true mostly for war as well as uh, just personal fisticuffs. Uh, you know, I think that most most of the arguments for war have to do with self-defense. In other words, even though it's happening overseas, you think eventually it's going to come over here. I think self-defense is a good place to start. I can think of a couple of gray areas, but, you know, I mean, there, I could see somebody in your face doing stuff that's so rotten that you have to slug him because you know he's going to slug you first. You know, you might have to act first, but basically, I think you should not... Uh, I, I think violence, you know, violence... Is, extra is extraordinary because it shuts down every other means of expression and shuts down any other means of finding a path to agreement. It's an extraordinary act that really should only be taken in, under ex in extraordinary terms. From Heather. Hey, Mr. Clavin, I think your show enriches us. Thanks. My question is, in the event of a labor shortage in the USA because of a very strong economy, would we naturalize illegals to help supply the labor needs and would it be worth doing, would it be worth contempt. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, you know, obviously, that is one of the reasons people bring in immigrants and naturalize them. But of course, we should bring in the immigrants that we need, not the immigrants who necessarily are the first ones who come in or who break in or who violate the law to come in. Uh, that does happen in countries. And I think you have to be careful about it because you do find that you suddenly have a, a problem. One of the things that's happening here is as much as we need and love immigrants, the people have a sense when too many, when there's been too much, you know, and they, it's just a kind of uh, inarticulate sense that sometimes expresses itself in nativism. It's not like we'll never be wel more welcoming to immigrants again. It's that right this minute, we have basically lost control of our borders and we want that control back. And that's one of the things that put Trump in office. And so I think if there is a labor shortage, of course, there's nothing wrong with bringing new people into the country. We love new people. We just turn them into Americans. That's the idea. From Tijana. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Dearest Apostle Andrew, as a former Catholic, I inherited a strong belief in Mother Mary and the role of the mother in religion and spirituality. In recent times, I feel this is even more true, yet modern Christianity doesn't see the role of mother as preeminent. What's your take on the role of mother in Christianity? Well, C.S. Lewis said, and I actually believe this to be true, that the role of that the job of homemaker is the central job. It is the central job around which all other jobs circle, that all other jobs are actually in support of being being a homemaker, which I believe is best done by mothers. I believe they're built by, for it by nature. Uh, and I, you know, obviously there are individuals where that's not true, but I believe in general, women and mothers are built to make homes uh, by nature, that that's what they're there for. And yes, the elevation of, of Mary was a, you know, a very sound way of, of elevating women. One of the reasons that women were elevated in the West was because of the worship of the Virgin Mary. I mean, that is one of the things that put women on an, in, on an elevated platform and her role of mother elevated that as well. And I think, I, I think quite rightly, quite rightly. And I think the reason modern Christianity is afraid to go there is because of feminism. They're afraid of being roughed up by the feminists. And that's the key part of, you know, the important thing about being a Christian is always be afraid of the opinions of the world. So you can just <laughs> throw away your principles and your religion uh, in fear of political crisis. Or, or maybe it's the opposite of that. I think I, I I can't remember. I can't remember offhand. Uh, finally, from Christopher. Oh, great and honorable Clavin, the master of the mailbag, the slayer of leftist ideology, the destroyer of the left, the worldly guy of words, a true blue friend of mankind, sir. 
That, I think that's, did he cover it? I think except for Overlord, I think he got it all. Yeah, I, I have something to ask. How is forgiveness done? Serious question. My mother stole a little over 10 grand and my house from me and treated me horribly as a human being. My aunt tells me I need to forgive her and move on with my life. Other family members tell me I need to go and forgive her and talk to her. After all the damage she has done financially and emotionally, it's been hard because I keep thinking of what she has done. Should I forgive her? Can I forgive her and not have her in my life? How does forgiveness work? Thank you, sir. Yes, you can forgive her and not have her in your life. Forgiving people does not mean allowing them to abuse you. It doesn't mean allowing them to continue to abuse you. If that is what they do. Forgiveness is an act of the will. You can't pluck the anger out of your heart, but if you lead with your will and forgive with your will, the anger will be worn away. If you refuse to feed the anger, if you refuse to nurture the inner conversations in your head where you tell your mother off or where your mother gets punished, if you refuse to let those daydreams take you over and you will yourself to forgive her, eventually you will forgive her in your heart as well as your mind. But that no way means that you have to allow her to abuse you. I think people uh, are too soft on their parents sometimes because they want, everybody wants a parent and it's hard to live without a parent, as I well know. And I think it's uh, when you have to walk away to maintain yourself, it can be very difficult. But sometimes that is what you have to do. But you don't want to take that anger with you. You do not want to live in anger and hatred. You know, so forgive with the will and teach yourself to forgive, teach your heart to forgive as well. All right. I think that's it. I went through every, I got through every mailbag question. Oh, not everyone, but everyone that we picked out. All right. Let's move on to tickety-boo news. <laughs> I just, I just want to have that happen again and again. I just want to keep doing the tickety boo news. Guy. All right, <laughs> tickety boo. Now, the purpose of tickety boo news. Okay, I just want to explain this because it's a little. You know, it's not good news. It's not just oh, a happy thing happened here or something like that. It's teaching you to read into the news or or saying how I think you should read into the news to see what's really going on instead of what the media tells you is going on because the media has a purpose and one of its purposes in this particular administration is to make Trump so toxic to be anywhere near near that people desert him. And you can see that they did a good job over the Charlottesville thing, the businessmen who deserted him. And then you heard Don Lemon. Well, the businessmen have deserted him. Well, they were cowards. They were cowards. They deserted him. They could have, look, look, if they disagreed with him, they could have come out and said, look, we disagree with that, but they're so afraid. And remember, remember the left, the left now basically controls big business. When you talk about the people who control opinions on the internet, the Google people, the Facebook people, there's all left-wingers and all people who are afraid of the ill opinion of the left. Ill opinion is a very, very powerful weapon. And so these people continually are telling us, you will pay a price if you don't bow and kowtow to the left. Now they're doing it with Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is, has been basically excised from football because his egregious uh, attacks on our flag and his protests over basically nothing, his protests over nothing, his refusals to stand up are bad business. Plus, he's not that good a quarterback. He had a good season when he could run and pass, but when they discover that the guy can't run without getting hurt and that's going to cost them their investment, he can only pass and he wasn't that good a quarterback. That's why he's out, but they're pulling all this pressure. <laughs> so they do this all the time. 
And what I would like to, and, and by the way, it works, you know, for some of the, here's a, a piece from the Wall Street Journal, it says for some of the top figures in the Trump administration, the ones who occupy the more conventional space of the political world, last week was tough. They're talking about the Charlottesville thing. They listened in distress as the president they worked for a, appeared to defend a march marked by white supremacists and anti-Semitic sentiments in Charlottesville. I don't think he did that, but they spun it that way. From the left and from some never-Trump conservative circles, they were then told they had a moral responsibility to resign. Meanwhile, on the Breitbart right, they were being called traitors and worse. There they were labeled White House globalists out to undermine Donald Trump's agenda and who had helped drive out strategist Steve Bannon. The cry was for them to be booted out. So this is what these guys are doing. Should they resign? You know, this is the idea of what the press is doing. But let me just point to a story, a couple of stories. A story about Mizzou, which is the flagship of the University of Missouri. Now, you remember back in October 2015, student activists claimed that this uh, university was racist. They sent administrators a list of demands. The president of the University of Missouri system should resign after delivering a handwritten apology acknowledging his white male privilege. This is what they wanted. The curriculum should include comprehensive racial awareness and inclusion training. I would prefer if it just taught them how to speak English and do math. 10% of the faculty and staff should be black. So we're going to buy into the whole racist narrative. Two weeks later, a student announced he was going on a hunger strike. The football team refused to practice or play until the university met the demands. Protesters occupied the quad. Administrators bent over backward to accommodate them, even providing a power strip so they could charge phones and a generator. And remember the communications instructor, Melissa Click, who said, give me some muscle to get this reporter off. Remember that woman? You always see the picture of her. Okay. So... What happened to Mizzou? Okay, what happened to Mizzou? Here is an article about what happened to Mizzou. Timothy Vaughn dutifully cheered the University of Missouri for a decade, sitting in the stands with his swag, two hot dogs, and a diet coat. He estimates he attended between 60 and 85 elect athletic events every year. Now, he says, I pledge from this day forward not to contribute to the Tiger Scholarship Fund by any tickets to any University of Missouri athletic event or to attend any athletic event. He was not alone. Thousands of pages of emails that this writer obtained through the Missouri Freedom of Information Act show that many alumni and other supporters were disgusted with administrators' feeble response to the disruption, and they have stopped giving money. They have they, Their uh, registration has dropped off. I can't remember. It's like it's huge, like 35%. They're closing buildings. There has been a price to pay. Meanwhile, you remember Chick-fil-A. You remember the fast food place that uh, where the, the head, the CEO, is a Christian who doesn't support gay marriage, and they came under all that. Remember, they tried to do it, and he's just faced them down. He said, no, this is what I believe. Now, listen, I don't agree with the guy, but I believe in his right to believe what he believes and to say what he believes and to support what he believes. He stood up for himself. And now, as of a year ago, this was the Chick-fil-A became the dominant fast food restaurant in the country selling multiple times more than, yeah, I mean, more than uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, this is the thing. There is a price. There is a price on the left that they do not promote. They only want to tell you that there's a price for following Donald Trump and being on the right. They want to tell you, you know, uh, who is it? Russ, um, Russ Feingold wrote this piece, which is kind of admitting what what they all uh, what they all say. He says, Democrat senator for Wisconsin, Russ Feingold, the former Democrat senator, 
He wrote a column for The Guardian. He said, the lesson from Charlottesville is not how dangerous the neo-Nazis are. It is the unmasking of the Republican Party leadership in the wake of last weekend's horror and tragedy. Let us finally, finally rip off the veneer that Trump's affinity for white supremacy is distinct from the Republican agenda of voter suppression, renewed mass incarceration, and the expulsion of immigrants. We're all Nazis, okay? So that this is what they are trying to create. But the fact is, the fact is the people will stand by you if you stand up for your principles. This is Chick-fil-A shows and they will punish you if they can when you when you capitulate to this leftist pressure always remember the news is an instrument of leftist pressure trying to create that toxicity but the facts on the ground is that you can survive standing up for your principles you can survive and the people will support you and the people who in business should know this and the other price by the way I'm going to I got to finish up but the other price for the rampant, violent leftism that we see is guys like Alan Dershowitz. And I point to Dershowitz specifically, one of the last sane men in America, is because Dershowitz is an old-style liberal. He is the old, you know, you would have said in the old days, oh, he's a Jewish liberal guy, you know, a typical guy like that. Listen to him talk about Antifa. Remember that President Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, put 110,000 Japanese Americans into detention centers that President Lowell of Harvard imposed anti-Jewish quotas, that uh, discrimination against women was uh, rampant. Uh, once you start rewriting history of African-Americans in this country, you have to start rewriting history right. of discrimination against many, many other groups. Look, we're both a nation of immigrants and a nation of discrimination against immigrants. That's an important history for us to remember. And the other important thing is, do not glorify the violent people who are now tearing down the statues. These, many of these people, not all of them, many of these people are trying to tear down America. Antifa is a radical, anti-American, anti-free market, uh, communist, socialist, hard, hard left, sensorial organization that tries to stop speakers on campuses from speaking. They use violence. And just because they're opposed to fascism, and to some of these monuments shouldn't make them heroes of the liberals. That is a classic liberal of the last generation and what he thinks of today's left. There's a price that the left is paying and will continue to pay and it will get worse. And so when you're reading, remember when you're reading the news, you're reading people trying to inflate the price of being a conservative and deflate the price of being a left winger. The reality is exactly the opposite. And that's Tickety Boo News, which we have to see that guy again. Got to see the tick, play that Tickety Boo News thing. <laughs> all right. It's worth doing it just for that. All right. Um, tomorrow, we have uh, Dr. Everett Piper, who has written a book called Not a Daycare, the, de the Devastating Consequence of Abandoning Truth, talking about the universities. Really, really interesting guy. That's tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show, and we will see you then.